Welcome to the Retirement Clinic with your host, Jeff Kowal, from the Kowal Investment Group, the Retirement Specialists. And welcome to it, the Retirement Clinic, live on News Talk 1130 WISN, joined in studio by Jeff Kowal, the uh, the bigwig. Bigwig? The president. Okay. The man. <laughs> he is you a say bigwig. So. <laughs> yes, wow. of course you're bigwig, Jeff. Uh, and the Retirement Clinic is live with Marie McFarland in studio. Welcome back. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, you got to. We're going to start the show off with Marie talking about retirement taxes. Nobody wants to talk about taxes, but certainly they don't go away in retirement. Agreed. They, we all wish they did, but they don't. <laughs> <laughs> and they never will go uh, away. No, they won't. So important stuff coming up, Jeff. We've got the boss segment with uh, your son, Aaron Kowal. Yep, that's always good. We do a lot of work with uh, uh, business owners. Uh, we try to help plan for a successful retirement, uh, boss, business owner savings, and security. We have the sexy segment today. That's going to be a good one. Last week we talked about inheriting wealth. This week we're going to talk about dealing with inherited wealth from an emotional standpoint. Well, it should be a good thing, right? Good. It's going to be awesome. No, well, you I mean, mean well, the actual you, you event would, of getting actually, money. You would be surprised, Paul. Really? Yeah. Well, usually it happens after a death, so there's emotions there involved. There you go. That started, that's where it starts. And then there might be, there could be multiple kids involved, right? Could be. <laughs> well, I, I won't give you're any more. He's not to, giving any of it away. You're just going to have to wait, Paul. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. Worth waiting for. Well, that's in the second half of the program. Also, because we're here for you live on WISN, if you have retirement questions, you can use our Acunet Talk and Text Line. 414-799-1130. Throughout the hour, we're going to surprise you. We're not going to tell you when, and we're going to give away a four-pack of State Fair tickets. We're doing that each hour this morning on WISN. State Fair starts August 4th, and you can get your cream puffs and watch and bands. And fried everything. Hundred Over 180 foods on a stick. Yes. And it gets each year they add more and more. I remember so. a couple of years ago, I thought it was disgusting because it was a... Bacon cheeseburger inside of a donut. Krispy Kreme donut. I was it that, delicious? It was wonderful. It sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this is stupid. This is, I mean, all uh, the worst possible things. It was absolutely wonderful. I, <laughs> Jeff would agree. They dropped, so, you know, the radio station, we get stuff like samples, right? Restaurants will drop the vendors. At State Fair, we always get cream puffs. I don't like cream puffs. I'm not a fan. But one year, they dropped off those Krispy Kreme cheeseburgers. Mm. Whatever it was. And I thought, that's gross. Plus, it's not healthy, clearly. <gasps> well, But who cares? Yeah, that's right. State Fair. I'm going to try one. <laughs> and it was awesome. So yeah. sometimes you just have to think outside the box and have these foods. It's once a year. That's right? right. Enjoy it. It's not healthy. We know that, but so what? So that's coming up in the show. In between a lot of retirement talk, we'll start talking about you guys, the Kowal Investment Group, your website, Jeff, com. Big news. You've got a brand new location. That's right. In Heartland, it's exciting opportunity for us at the Kowal Investment Group as we continue to grow. Happy to be in the Heartland area. Look forward to serving Heartland uh, in the Lake Country area. Jim Liebert was a good friend of mine for 40 years plus. Um, and well known in that community, just a good human being and a good, had a great practice. Um, and we agreed to, uh, merge with him and acquire his practice. So, uh, it's, it's really a good deal for us. I think a great deal for him and for all his clients. Where in Heartland? What's well, right in downtown Heartland. Can't miss it. 
Camus, and no, it's right next to the Mexican restaurant there. And the heart, the actually is actually, of Heartland. Yes, it's one hundred one forty North Avenue in Heartland. Also, Jeff, your headquarters, world headquarters for the Cowal Investment Group in Waukesha, in Port Washington, up in Ozaukee County. Yeah, beautiful views of Lake Michigan. Port's a cool town. I like it. <laughs> it is a cool town. My daughter moved there, so I'm kind of getting. You know, she's like, "Oh, Dad, you gotta." You're all about Cedarburg. Come to port. Isn't it fish fish days today, right? Fish day. It's one day. It's fish. Not days, I said yeah. fish day. Yeah. <laughs> it is one day. Yeah. <laughs> is it Spencer? Two days? I'm gonna I still think it's called fish day. I'm I gonna think, Google I this. Think you're right. <laughs> no. Is it really? Okay, Paul. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, you show we should you're show the cover. Yeah. <laughs> Let me finish. Racine <laughs> and Phoenix. Okay, Marie, now it's time to talk taxes. <laughs> Don't forget to check out online, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn as well. So we have those apps. That's right. Social media presence. Yes. And I can get at all of that via your website. Correct. Correct. Okay, so I wanted to go through. I figured it's halfway through the year. Perfect time to go through and do a checkup on your taxes um, to kind of get an idea of where you're at for income for the year and get an idea of what your tax bill could possibly be for the year. And a common thing I've noticed clients come in and they just are unaware or just forget how things are taxed when they retire. So I have a couple ones that are uh, unique to retirement and just a reminder of how they get taxed. So the first one is um, pensions. So when it comes to pensions, a lot of times I'll have clients think that pensions aren't taxed. However, majority of pensions are taxed because they're funded with pre-tax income. The only way a pension would be, I should say a portion of a pension would be tax-free, is if you had any after-tax contributions to the plan, then it could possibly have a portion of a tax-free pension. But majority of pensions, all income is taxed because it's funded with pre-tax contributions. So that's a big thing to keep in mind because I do see some pensions that are 4000 monthly, and that's a significant amount of money when that's, you're looking at uh, income for the year. Yeah. 4K a month, you, you're going to count Social Security when you're yeah. retired as part of your income as well? Yep, so you'll you'll easily be over the Social Security tax, which I'll go to next because that's a perfect segue. <laughs> um, so Social Security used to be tax-free until it was taken away in 1983, the joys. Um, right. So now it's based on your provisional income. So Social Security tax is based on provisional income. Well, what's provisional income? That's adjusted gross income plus half of your Social Security benefit and any tax-exempt interest you earn for the year. So again, it's your adjusted gross income, all of the income sources you have coming in for the year, plus half of your Social Security benefit in any tax-exempt interest. So then if you calculate out your provisional income and it lands in these three brackets, you'll know how much of your Social Security is taxed. So the first one is if you have less than 32000 married filing jointly for provisional income, then your Social Security tax tax social security benefits are tax free. If you land between 32,000 and 44,000 married filing jointly, then up to 50% of your social security could be taxed. 
And then any provisional income above 44000 married filing jointly, you have up to 85% of your Social Security benefit taxed. So that example I gave before, 4000 of pension income monthly, you'll easily be at the 85% of your Social Security is taxed. When it came out, when they started, you mentioned 1983, before that it, Social Security was tax-free on a federal basis, and it's still tax-free, state of Wisconsin, the Social Security income. But they said only the rich would have to pay Social Security taxes on it. Well, that's Maurice, not the case. Yeah. Thirty-three thousand. Yeah. That's not rich that's by any means. That's how they sold no. it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you the... define rich? Right. Everybody probably has their own opinion. Yeah, but apparently, that's not the government rich. does it. Thirty-three thousand dollars is. But that's that was <laughs> okay. the, the rationale for it at the time. Uh, when it started, I think it was started. Fifty percent would be taxed. Now it's up to eighty-five percent. Will be taxed. So. And then another one that I feel um, I get this question. I would say pretty often, but it is unique our life insurance proceeds. So kind of tying into what Jeff is going through and the inherited wealth, life insurance proceeds are an inherited thing. Typically you get uh, proceeds from a life insurance policy after the insured dies. Normally all proceeds you receive as a beneficiary of a life insurance policy are usually non-taxable. So that's a huge benefit. So if somebody had a million dollar tax they get a, They get a check for a million dollars? Tax free. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was tax-free. No, there's. I didn't think there was anything tax-free anymore. There's a catch that she'll talk about. Oh, okay. Very unique. I knew it. <laughs> but no, really, for a large part of it, most of it's almost, is income tax-free. Yes. So the other one is if you are the policy holder and you surrender your tax or your uh, insurance policy, there could be taxes associated with that. So I do have quite a few people that come in and ask questions about their whole life policy and they have cash value in it and they want to turn around and use the cash value for retirement. And so they're thinking about surrendering their policy to get the cash out of it. There could be big tax complications with that. So it's definitely something you want to work with an advisor or us to go through. Um, Because like I said, there are really complicated tax equations on how that would work out if you owe tax and how much tax. Uh, I would certainly need help there. I would seek an advisor as well. And Jeff, just this is a sidebar, but regarding life insurance, um, there's a certain age where some people drop their life insurance, right? There is. um, And a lot of times it depends on your economic conditions and if you still have a mortgage, if you still have kids. A lot of times people drop it. If you have a spouse. Yep. Yes, a lot of us are actually buying more insurance as we get older. I just redid mine and bought additional. So it's it all depends on what your needs are. And what Marie was talking about, that the income, the insurance, life insurance proceeds are almost always income tax-free. But if your estate is more than $12 million, 12.06 I think is the number, yeah. um, uh, for an individual on $24 million for joint, there may be some estate taxes. So income tax-free, but there may be some estate taxes on it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is case by case, Marie. Yes. And I, I think one good thing to point out, I've noticed on social media quite a bit that uh, insurance is being portrayed as a investment. And I think Jeff kind of made that clear, too, that those are two separate things, right? You purchase insurance for different reasons than you would for investing money into the stock market. So I then think that's a good thing to point out, too. Um, another one is home sales. So quite a few people I've noticed have potentially been thinking about selling their home now and buying their forever home for retirement. And so I just wanted to go through how home sales um, are typically taxed. I don't know if you listened to the last hour, but the real estate market is 
sort of leveling off right now. Is it? That's what they say. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, it was, I mean, it is insane and everybody knew it had to kind of correct and come mm-hmm. down. It's slowly happening. It's by no means a crash or anything, but it's changing yeah. and it always does, right? Just like the stock market. Yes. Right. But most people think we're thinking that, oh, this real estate's going to be strong forever. Yes, and I'm going to sell my home for an extra five hundred thousand, and then and get an back. offer on day one. Yes. That may not be the case in the next six twelve months. Yes, so if you've sold your home, you just need to remember that typically um, most of the extra or gains, I should say, aren't taxed. But you have to remind yourself of this. Uh, qualification. So you have have to owned and used your property as a personal residence for two of the last five years. And if you have, then you can exclude up to 250000 of the gain from a single. So if you're single, 250000 of gains you can exclude. And Mary filing jointly, it's 500000 of gains. So you have to, again, at least uh, owned and used the residence as your personal primary residence for two of the last five years. Any gains in excess of that, so if you sold your home and you had 750000 in gains married filing jointly, you would have 250000 that would be taxed at long-term capital gains. It was a key primary residence. A lot of people might have a condo in Arizona, whatever. Correct. So primary residence, yeah. two of the last five. And another big thing is losses are not deductible. So... It's kind of a, you probably wouldn't sell a house for a loss right now, but at some point that could be the case. Generally, uh, real estate, right? It's yeah, the opposite of owning a car. You buy it, you assume you're going to sell it for more than the purchase price. Yes. Somewhere that could be five years, could be 10, could be 20. Yeah. But, but if you look at 2008 and 2009, yes, exactly. yeah. people were selling for losses. And unfortunately, you can't write off those are non tax deductible yeah. losses. So that's a big thing to keep in mind. Darn it. I know. <laughs> Um, and then if we look at your traditional IRAs and 401ks, just a reminder, those are ordinary income taxed. Remember, we put pre-tax money into those accounts, and pre-tax means you right, you get to lessen your income for the year and actually take a tax deduction for the year so your income tax is lower. So that means when you retire and you start withdrawing from that bucket of money, it's all ordinary income tax, yeah. which is based on your tax bracket. You, you you can't get away. You're going to have to pay taxes on that. Yes. At, at some point. You're talking 401k money, right? 401k and traditional IRA. Okay. Yes. Um, and so I think that's a really big thing to keep in mind. So if you are currently saving for retirement, it could be a great opportunity to look at, should I be putting a portion to after tax, whether it's an after tax bucket in your employer plan or the Roth 401k bucket too. Yep. So good time to start getting that annualized and figure out, okay, is that good? Give me better flexibility when I do retire to have Ma- those buckets. Marie McFarland, Jeff Kowal, WISN's Retirement Clinic. We're talking about mm, taxes, but taxes in retirement. Yes. Different than your working years. Yes. And what, and I, and I think the big thing is we forget, okay, we've been putting money away for years and years and years and you just kind of lose track of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then when you retire, you're like, wait, I have to pay tax on that. Right. <laughs> hold on, hold this is, on. This is my retirement. Yeah. These so are I have my... to take out more than I want to give it to somebody else. Yeah. So just a key reminder that that's a big thing. Um, the other thing I've noticed is quite a few people are purchasing CDs and keeping money in money market savings um, and corporate bonds. Just a reminder that all interest payments... So any interest payments from savings, CDs, money market, corporate bonds are taxed at ordinary income tax rates. However, when you sell your corporate or muni bonds, the appreciation 
is taxed at capital mm. gains. So interest, ordinary income tax rates. People still doing CDs? I mean, what rates on a CD right now? Maybe it's better than being in the stock market. I don't know, Jeff. What are, are people still? Well, that's you know that's a that's a different comparison. But yeah. we talk about um, you know now they're soaring to like 05 percent. Their CD rates are up to you know so they're still not good rates even if no. you go, uh, a little bit further out the banks have, haven't uh, eased up a little bit and, and shared some of that wealth yet yeah it'll take some time for those too I, I, we, we didn't mention at the top of the show the Kowal Investment Group does our market reports business updates Jeff twice a day you're on Monday through Friday That's right. and we hear those numbers and Friday we ended up with some you know nice news right the Dow yeah, really was good games way yesterday. up good way to be, start the weekend yeah certainly a good way <laughs> and another example of why you don't panic and get out. You miss yes. some of the best days in the market by pulling out. And I know that it's difficult, especially right in the middle of it right now. We don't know how long it's going to last. There's a lot of uncertainty. You know, uh, higher inflation numbers probably due to come yet. And so the Fed is probably going to be more aggressive with the uh, 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 raising interest rates. So we don't know how long this is going to last. And it's difficult to... to to stay in it when the market's so volatile. Yeah, it's only middle of July. There's a, a whole half a year left. Uh, feds could hike that rate one, maybe two times, we've heard. Mm-hmm. Correct. Now, another one to keep in mind are the I-bonds or savings bonds. So um, tax-wise, when it comes to the savings bonds, federal income tax purposes on interest from your EE or I-U.S. savings bonds are generally taxable at ordinary income tax rates. Um, and typically that's the year they mature or you redeem them. So usually when they mature is when you start paying the ordinary income tax on the interest you've collected or when you go to redeem those bonds. Um, US on US interest, sorry, interest on US savings bonds is exempt from state and local income tax. So that's a good thing to keep in mind too. I know the I savings bonds have been quite a big Popular thing we've discussed with our clients, too, and it could be a great tool to use while we're navigating the interesting market we're in. Um, but remember, you do have to pay ordinary income tax on the interest. Bonds are a part of many of our portfolios, right? We always talk about the standard 60-40 yes. stock bond split. Yep. So you have 60% usually in equities and 40% in fixed income bonds, money yeah. market, things like that. Um, and that's a usual common allocation for somebody in retirement or close to retirement. Now, the last one I wanted to go through was Roth IRAs. So um, opposite of the traditional IRA, Roth IRAs are tax-free when you take withdrawals out if they're qualified. So I wanted to go through two important caveats. You must have held your Roth IRA for five years before you can take tax-free withdrawals. The five-year clock starts ticking the first time money is deposited into a Roth IRA, and that can be either through a contribution or through a conversion. So as soon as a contribution goes into a Roth IRA, that five-year window starts ticking. Now, it can be a five-year window can be for multiple Roth IRAs. So let's say you have a Roth IRA, you open it, you contribute $1,000 in the first year, and then three years later, you have a rollover into a different Roth IRA. That second Roth IRA is still with the first Roth IRA's five-year window. So yeah. that's as soon as you can, opening up a Roth IRA for a contribution or rollover is advised. Um, second, although you withdraw the amount you contributed, you can withdraw any of the amount you contributed um, 
to the Roth IRA at any time for tax-free. You must be 59 and a half, so it must be a qualified distribution to take out gains. There's that half again, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Over the years, I've questioned, why is everything a half? Because somebody in Congress was a half. That's why. <laughs> I mean, Typically, that's it. Now, they did change the 70 and a half. To 72. The, to 72. Yeah. So they're, somebody That's wised up. Let's just make this easy, right? Why pick it half? So yes. Well, don't accuse them of wising up. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe midterms could change things, Jeff. You never know. <laughs> you never know. We might, we might get wiser people in office. That's all I'm saying. We don't know. We'll, we'll find out in November. That's a stretch. So those are my big ticket items on keeping track of income. So like I said, going through and just kind of taking inventory of what's come in, getting an idea of what your adjusted gross income looks for the year so far. Yeah, but you ran over a lot of information there, Marie. Retirement and, you know, you tend to forget about taxes. I'm I'm retired. I'm not going to worry about anything anymore. You still have to work with an advisor. and yes. And go through because it affects a lot of things. It affects contribution limits and Roth IRAs. It can affect uh, Medicare premiums, right? So there's a lot of things to look out for when it comes to uh, tax and income planning. Yeah, despite the fact that you're retired, life goes on. You're selling homes, buying homes, doing other things. So what Maria was referring to, it's not just the taxes from your retirement plan. It's taxes from Social Security, sale of homes, all types of things, not just the Retirement income. There's a, a few texts that came in during that segment. We'll try to answer those in one way or another on air or off the air. If you want to reach out to the Colwell Investment Group, a couple of ways to do that. Oh, by the way, I did a little research. I got to correct Spencer. It's still called Fish Day. There you go. <laughs> it is two days, though, but it's still called Fish Day. Yeah. There I'm you on go. the current website, so that's in Port Washington, and that's this weekend. To reach out, Jeff, we can call you at 262 522 uh, Either way is fine, or I can go on your website, thekowalway.com. That's right. If you have $750,000 or more, close to already in retirement, if you have a million, two million, five million, $10 million or more, give our office a call. We address all areas of planning. As, as Marie was mentioning, the taxes, the estate planning, your investments, and making sure that you... Do the best we can to make sure you have a successful retirement. Jeff Kowal, Marie McFarland in studio from the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist. I'm Paul Cronforce coming up, Aaron Kowal's boss segment. And then we're going to switch gears slightly after the break. Still to come, a four-pack of State Fair tickets that somebody's going to win. Stay tuned. We're live in studio on WISN. The Retirement Clinic we will be right back. Welcome back to the Retirement Clinic on WISN. I'm Aaron Kowal with the Boss Minute, business owner's savings and security. It's about owning your retirement, not just your business. Is your small business prepared to deal with a cyber attack? More and more small businesses are becoming victims of cyber attacks as the risk of an attack has grown dramatically over the past couple of years. During the pandemic, small businesses were attacked at twice the rate of large organizations. According to Risk Recon in 2020 and 2021, Data breaches at small businesses globally jumped 152%. That's a pretty scary statistic, but your business doesn't have to become a statistic. Here are a couple things you can do now to protect your business. Go beyond usernames and passwords. It's time to adopt multi-factor authentication. 
For anyone unfamiliar with multi-factor authentication, it provides an additional layer of protection during the login process by requiring an additional verification through codes sent by text message, phone call, or a dedicated app. It's a relatively simple defense against hackers that effectively drives down the risk of an attack. Another important step in protecting your business, make sure it is insured against cyber attacks. According to a recent survey, only about half of small businesses are insured. Additionally, if you are insured, make sure you understand your coverage. Many business owners don't realize general business insurance tends to exclude items such as the costs for repairing infrastructure and storing data and even additional legal fees due to a cyber attack. If you'd like additional recommendations or need help protecting your business, give us a call today at 262-522-4040 or visit thekowalway.com. Aaron Kowal with today's boss segment. That segment each week on the Retirement Clinic is for business owners, savings, and securities. Uh, we got a lot coming up, Jeff. The sexy segment. You've got a topic right now you want to dive into. A few questions are coming in. Quite a few questions are coming in. Should we take them, Jeff? Sure, let's do those first. They're, they're texts, and three, four came in in a row. Maria, I'll throw this one at you. <laughs> and uh, Jeff, you can contribute if you'd like. Here it is. Do you continue to pay into Social Security with your pension if you retire prior to your Social Security collection date? Okay, I think I understand that. And no, you do not contribute, pay into Social Security when you start taking your pension prior to taking Social Security. Exactly what they, that's exactly what they ask. No. (laughs) So the answer is no for that. Because it has to be earned income. Yes. And that's not pension. And that's not earned. Yeah, it's deferred. So, yes. Um, Here's a good one, Jeff. I'll, I'll throw this one at you, and we'll, we'll quickly go through a bunch of these, and then we'll get going. Retirement question, guys, uh, and thanks to the Coal Investment Group. Here we go. Regarding retirement funds, would you recommend putting a portion of retirement funds in fixed account at this time? I'm in my upper 70s and in the middle of the road investments in regards to risk. I have a pension, so I don't need to pull money from my funds for daily needs. But I'm nervous and worried that we will be reliving 2008. Your thoughts? Well, we're already kind of in 2008, not quite as bad yet. The fact that he has a pension allows him to to be a little bit more growth-oriented. But I don't think it's a bad idea to back off and put some in fixed. Um, I wouldn't bail on uh, stocks completely, uh, especially if you're in retirement and if you're new in retirement, uh, because you could live a long time. And you want to make sure that you participate as the market does go back up. And uh, you know, we've had these discussions with clients over the last couple months. Uh, you look at historically, over the last 100 years, we've had t- uh, 11 times where the market's dropped more than 20% in a year, which is where we are now or where we were just recently, uh, where S&P 500 is down more than 20%. Uh, so you want to be able uh, – and after those times, after those 11 times, each time the market came roaring back and sometimes for extended periods of time. So you don't want to be out of the market, but we are going to see a lot of volatility, especially over the next couple months. So, yeah, I'd say put some of it in fixed income. Good stuff. Uh, do you mind taking an inheritance question? We'll try this one. Marie's a CFP. She can take this one. <laughs> CFP, Marie McFarland. I remember when you announced that on the air. Yeah. Certified financial planner. Okay, here it is. I received $25,000 from the proceeds of the sale of my uncle's home in Texas. According to his will, I received 5% of the sale amount, which is twenty five grand. I will be receiving a 1099S. How do I handle this from a tax perspective? since it's inheritance. 
Now you're dealing with another state too, Texas. Yeah, that one I would say you have to defer to your CPA, especially because it is complicated when it comes to inheritance and what is exactly laid out in the estate planning. Um, it's twenty five thousand. Yep, but right? it still de- is determined depending on how the trust was set up or how the estate plan was set up, mm-hmm. what the taxes could look like. So that one you really have to defer on your CPA, especially since it's a different state He, as he well. will be paying taxes he for sure. W- most likely, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff. We See, love she the was a, she's a CFP. I'll be doing the same thing with John White because John White this last week in our office just got his CFP. Congrats to John. Oh, yeah, congratulations job, John. to John White. Yes, and I, I always, you know, once you become a CFP, of course, you know everything. So <laughs> I will defer to John and defer to Marie. <laughs> that was good. It is good. I don't know if that was a shot or a compliment. That's a compliment. It's a left, I mean, they put a, left a lot hand. of work into that. They, they really yeah. do. It's not easy to get that. No, so. it's, it's not. We should mention CFP, Marie McFarland. Thank you. A lot of good texts coming in, but we do have to get to some topics, too, and time is moving. So, Jeff, the floor is yours. Okay. Uh, this is very important because you could get cre- your lump sum could get creamed this year. Uh, about 15% of private sector employees have access to traditional pension plans, which generally are funded by the company. Sometimes the employees' contributions as well, but mostly the uh, the, the, the employer does that. Many companies offer the traditional pensions, giving the workers an option to take their benefits as a lump sum instead of an annuity, and this is where you know, your lump sum could get creamed this year. with Similar to bonds, uh, if interest rates go up, the value of bonds go down. Same thing with pensions, uh, because if the value of, of the interest rates go up, the value of the lump sum goes down. Here's why, and I'll try to make it easy. If, it, if you're it's entitled to $5,000 a month of, of a pension, if interest rates go up, the company has to set less money aside to provide that $5,000 a month of pension. So that's why the lump sum goes down. So if you're thinking about retiring, your lump sum is going to be lower next year most likely than it is this year. Let's get into a little bit of the details of that. Uh, one major decision facing facing near retirees who are due a pension can be whether to take those benefits as an upfront lump sum rather than overtime as an annuity. If you're among those leaning towards a one-time payment and are edging close to retirement, it may be worth considering how rising interest rates, a current state of affairs, affect that amount. That's, this is a CNBC uh, article. In simple terms, the higher the rate used to calculate, calculate the lump sum, the smaller your payout. Uh, the calculations work in the opposite of what you would think. Um, the payments are generally determined by a formula, but to illustrate inflationary erosion, a one percent, and it says that your pensions uh, are typically not linked to inflation. They're not indexed for typically government pensions. Municipal pensions are linked to some in, uh, uh, inflation index, but typically uh, corporate pensions, company pensions, are not linked to. So they say that you lose a one percent annual rate of inflation, reduce the value of a twenty-five thousand dollar annual pension benefit to twenty about twenty thousand dollars over twenty years. A two percent inflation rate would translate translate to a benefit of sixteen thousand six hundred and ninety. So that diminishes your purchasing power over time with a fixed pension. That's why a lot of people would uh, a lot of times take the lump sum. Right now inflation is running at a rate of eight point three percent. I think it was nine point one nine point one last week. That's that's the highest rate in forty years and far above the Federal Reserve's target rate of 2%. Um, and at the same time, Fed is raising interest rates. Uh, 
And she's, that's where the connection comes in be, between the lumps of benefits. The specific set of IRS-published interest rates, generally based on corporate bond yield curve, the companies must use the lump sum calculation uh, has been rising. The, so the number that they use, the government number that they use, it's usually, it comes out every month, but typically companies will use it. I know some companies that use, I think AT&T uses a November rate, GE uses a different one. Different companies that offer pensions have different months that they use that rate. Um, and typically, the, the, the company will use a rate from August to November. That's a government rate. Okay, let's get into some real specifics. I think I have a couple minutes yet. In other words, a lump sum paid out this year, and based on the lower rate in 2021, so again, this year's rate's going to be higher than last year's, would be more than a 2023 payout determined by a higher rate this year. A simplified illustration. If a rate uses 4% of pension benefit of $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year, the lump sum would be $815,000. If that rate goes up 2% to 6%, that lump sum payout would be $688,000. So you go from a lump sum of $815,000 to a lump sum of $688,000. If you're thinking that you're going to retire soon, yes. you better take a look at doing it this year with last year's rate. That's $127,000 less. That's about 16% less. And interest rates are still likely to go up and not down. So we don't, we haven't seen the end of this yet. I don't think. Uh, a lump sum isn't the best for any for everybody. Some people like the regular monthly pensions. Um, but people have to manage that lump sum and make it last their lifetime. We work with our clients all the time. We give you the options of uh, we use a best interest uh, uh, format where we give you the different options. What is the advantage of taking a lump sum? What's the advantage of taking a monthly income? And we always uh, use a fiduciary uh, uh, a rule in that we try. We always try to put our clients' interest first and say what's best for you. Um, Many factors come into play. People should really talk to a financial advisor, typically a retirement specialist, which there are very few of. There are a lot of financial advisors out there, very few retirement specialists like the Kowal Investment Group. Especially, you are unique in that regard. We absolutely are, and especially if you're talking about a lump sum, a large lump sum. If you have a large pension that computes into a large lump sum, uh, we strongly encourage you to talk to the Coal Investment Group, the retirement specialist, because we deal with that all the time. Uh, good segment, Jeff. We're going to take a break. Up next is the sexy segment. It's about wealth management and preservation. So that's coming up. And right now is your chance to win a four-pack of State Fair pick, uh, tickets. Let's do this, Spencer. You get a, a bonus book with coupons. <laughs> wow. <laughs> A lot of coupons. coupons. It's a Ron White reference. You have to see his stand-up routine. He does a whole thing in coupons. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's good stuff. Uh, State Fair tickets right now. We're going to do, it's the 17th of July, caller number 17 at 799-1130 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You're going to get four tickets to State Fair. We'll do that over the commercial break. Call in right now. Four tickets to State Fair. Caller number 17. Jeff Colwell is here. Marie McFarland. This is WISN's Retirement Clinic. We'll be right back.
I'm an idiot. <laughs> I am. I said call her 17 because it's the 17th. Marie goes. It's definitely not the 17th. It's the 16th. It's July 16th. <laughs> Everybody stop freaking out. It is the right. 16th. Yeah. So by contest rules, we stuck to the original plan. We took caller 17, and that is Nick in Waukesha. Nick, congratulations. You're going to State Fair. Thank you. I didn't even know it was the wrong date, so. You, get me. you just called, right? You just called to win <laughs> the tickets. Uh, and you're going to get four tickets. You're going to get the uh, book of coupons. And you're going to have a blast. So have fun, Nick. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, Nick. Thanks. And if you need retirement help, reach out to the Kowal Investment Group. Oh, absolutely. All right. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> oh, I had to get that Good in answer. there. All right, Jeff, it is time for Wealth Management and Preservation. I don't know where I got this article from. I think it's from. Let me let's let's back up a little bit. This show is for everybody. This particular segment is for those with seven hundred fifty thousand with a million dollars or more. So if you have a million dollars or more, you've accumulated some wealth. We call it sexy because a lot of people think if you have more money, it's sexier. It's really wealth management and preservation. Once you've accumulated some wealth, how do you preserve it, grow it, take income from it, and pass it on to your heirs? Um, uh, that's what we do at the Coal Investment Group on a daily basis. Last week, we talked about inheriting wealth. This week, we're talking about moving past the guilt of inherited wealth. And yes, there is guilt involved. Um, I, I don't know if you know, I'm a psychology major. I'm not a business, but my minor is, is business. Are you serious? Really? Yeah, I'm a psych major. Oh, I never knew that. What yes. happened? Well, well you, you know, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not unusual for people. No, I to... just loved it. My favorite course was psychological statistics. That was my uh, favorite course. I have no idea. And, yeah, so so we've, uh, you know, never considered getting a job in psych. Well, I guess I did, but I, th- I thought I'd get a job as a bank uh, teller and become a vice president. Thought it would help with that. I've so. known you for what twenty twenty five years. I've first found out this. Now you no, you've been I, analyzing sure. me all these years. <laughs> no, I do not practice as like a psychologist. me I, and psychological. It probably stuff. comes in handy sometime, but I don't use it. <laughs> but really, when you're inheriting some wealth, it it can be. Um, well, this talks. It's almost like like uh, death, where there are stages of grief that you go through. Do you feel guilty? A windfall of inherited wealth often comes with feelings of guilt and elation isolation, and confusion. No wonder when a financial gain is due to a loss of a loved one's life, it feels crass to be excited about the opportunities of inherited, uh, that the inheritance affords. There are a number of ways to have sudden wealth. Uh, somebody dying and inheriting is one way. Divorce, which also can be somewhat traumatic. Retirement, um, you know, life insurance proceeds, winning a lottery, selling a business. There are a number of ways that people come into uh, a lot of wealth. But learning to be comfortable with inherited wealth is a process as emotional stages that can be aligned with emotional stages of grief. There are six emotional stages of inheritance. Um, I'll go through, I think I'll go through all of them. But first is uh Inheritors and mourners alike begin in a state of shock, typically resulting from a death and often denying or disbelieving what's happening to them. From there, it goes to anger, anger of not being able to control the situation, um, not knowing much about what the intended use of the wealth was, and now you're inheriting it. Next is a feeling of euphoria. So although not often associated I like that feeling. Yeah, not often associated with death. Yeah. <laughs> a person eventually gets over it, probably after about twelve minutes. <laughs> and it becomes euphoric. Yeah, it becomes euphoric. Uh, uh sense of freedom, sense of relief as the tra- as that emerges. 
uh, and you know what? This is probably a time to, to say, you know, don't plan on it. That just because somebody dies doesn't mean you're going to be inheriting any money because they might have had some, a lot of expenses at the end of your life. So, mm-hmm. But those who move past the euphoric stage, a period of guilt often emerges. Guilt is a natural emotional state, especially so when a bequest is accompanied by someone's death. The death stage is no different than the beginning stage where people try different approaches to get their needs met. Next is moving past these stages of grief and be- grief, and beginning is no e- bargaining. <laughs> Guilt and bargaining is no easy task as it requires focus, and you get through an examination of one's life. You know, that you know, do you want you don't want to make you want to make sure you don't blow the money. You also have no idea of how to spend at that time. And this really is a time when you have to get professional help, both from a psychological standpoint and a financial standpoint, that you have to have somebody hold your hand during this time and say, this isn't the time to make big decisions. This is a period of perhaps of grief. You've reached that point. You may not have gotten over it yet. Don't make wild decisions. Don't try to speculate as what the person whom you're inheriting from would have wanted you to do with it because you have your own life and you have your own needs and those of your family. So you have to be careful with that. You buy the Corvette and then you have guilt afterwards. And you know what? You hear that with lotteries. You hear that with a lot of people who buy the Corvette, buy the big home, maybe put some money down but have a big mortgage, blow it in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. I knew somebody who won two million bucks and was gone in two years. You know, there was a pattern that he was going down to oh, Potawatomi I mean, to I, win it. Oh, he uh, went to the casino? Yeah, he went to the casino. And it was, it was a, a holiday that he was there at 4.30 in the morning, got the money, and within two years it was gone. Wow. So, I, I mean, I, mean, I could it, blow through $2 million in two years easily. All of us could. Yeah. There's things we all want, but you, you shouldn't, right? You shouldn't. You need to you should take be, a step back. And this is, this, this is uh, uh, really actually, the, the, the person was a really good guy, and from a financial standpoint, it was really good. This part of it was not particularly good. <laughs> no. Uh, but the hope of the people who graduate, the last is hope is that people will gradually make it to the final stage of inheritance or grief feeling airworthy, airworthy, H-E-I-R, airworthy, acceptance, respectively. So understanding the guilt, you're supposed to be happy with a windfall of money. It doesn't always happen that way. In time, I think with good planning, you know, fears of not being accepted or not belonging, especially if it's a significant increase in your wealth. And now you're in a different social structure. Mm-hmm. There's a feeling that, you know, do I belong here? I, I think that you have to overcome that. You look and, around the country club and you're the only guy in Jean shorts, is that what you're saying? <laughs> that could be me, so be careful. <laughs> that could be me. You just got to have to overcome guilt, diminish, diminishing guilt by looking at wealth as a blessing, not as a curse. And I think the final takeaway is that guilt may be a natural part of the process. You may need to learn how to deal with it. Most do, some don't. That's why you see many fortunes lost, whether it's inheritance or lottery or whatever it happens to be. Planning helps you deal with this and avoid those mistakes. Financial help, along with your psychological help, planning gives you a clearer path and more in line with your values and your lifestyle. Yeah, Yeah, these stages are interesting because you talk about guilt and grief. I just want... I was curious, the five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real real similar. A lot of and emotions, I, Jeff. I think one thing to add to that is if you do have an inherited wealth, is relying on a third party like a financial advisor to help you get through that. Because most families are great, but sometimes that can trigger... Um, 
relationship not going so well with families. And, That's a great and point. So making sure you rely on your financial advisor like us to help get through all of that. And we deal with it all the time, sudden wealth, and you can always point to the financial advisor and say, no, he says I can't yeah, give you $200,000 for that car. Yeah, yep. that's right, Jeff. That's a good point. Good, good stuff point. today on the sexy segment. It's always about wealth management and preservation. We're going to take a quick break. WISN's retirement clinic, Jeff Kowal, Marie McFarlane from the Kowal Investment Group. Eric Smith here from Austin Plumbing. Wrapping up today's retirement clinic, our thanks for you listening. A lot of good questions and texts. And Jeff Offier, thekowalway.com. You've got a new location in Heartland. That's right, right in the middle of Lake Country. Uh, do give our office a call. Again, if you have $750,000 or more in retirement assets or close to already in retirement, 262-522-4040, or thekowalway.com, K-O-W-A-L. Um, again, we'd, we'd address all areas of planning, so do give us a call. We care about your success in retirement. Thanks to Certified Financial Planner Marie McFarland for being here today. Have a great weekend, Marie. Thanks, you too. Jeff, great we'll see you here. next week. Sounds great. Thanks, Paul. Uh, every week at 10 o'clock, the Retirement Clinic on WISM Milwaukee.